All right, everybody, welcome to another podcast edition of the Three View Mirror, the podcast you didn't really realize you needed in your life and now can't live without. I'm joined by my two amazing co-hosts, Jen Axel and Chris, just Chris Clues. And today we're going to do what we always do. We're going to bring you three seemingly unrelated random topics that in the end, we're going to tie together in a way that makes you say, oh my God, how did I not get that? Because it's pretty much what we've been doing every episode because we're never getting it. Today's host is none other than Chris Clues. Um, and he's going to bring to us a couple great topics that hopefully Jen Axel and I will get. But if past his prologue, we probably won't. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Rochelle Oblak, better known as Jen Axel Online. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And in general, just look me up and give me a shout out. And I'm Chris Clues, better known as Chris Clues. I am in the shadows a little bit today because uh, this blockbuster hat that I'm wearing is relevant to our conversation today. And so it's giving me a little bit of a, uh, a shadow look, which is probably better for a lot of the viewers anyway. <laughs> and I'm John Catrides, better known as Gen X Jano, also found on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, pretty much anywhere and everywhere you can go to watch people doing stupid things online. I am right there front and center. All right. So today, uh, I'm wearing my Blockbuster hat because the three segments that we're going to have today all are going to be about movies uh, that you may have rented at a Blockbuster or your local video store in the 80s. So those three movies, and remember everybody out there, these three segments, these three things don't look like they connect, but they will connect at the end of the episode, and we'll talk about that. The three movies are Vacation. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Parenthood. Oh my God, dude. There's like three of my favorite movies. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I, I honestly can't wait to get started. I mean, I'm psyched. I absolutely adore Vacation. I, I probably could quote that entire movie, the entire Christmas Vacation movie. Absolutely love it. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm really excited as well because these are three movies that I really, really enjoyed. Even Parenthood, without having kids, I can appreciate the entire story. So we'll get to that one in the, uh, in the third segment. So I'm super excited. Now you know why the Blockbuster hat. These were all movies that I'm sure you picked up in your local video store. So let's start with Vacation. Uh, an absolute classic came out in 1983 when National Lampoon, I mean, they pushed the envelope with everything that they did. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall got his start, really kind of got his start in Vacation. I'm sure he did some things before, but that was when we all kind of, he came on our radar and man, did he have a run after that uh, few year run. Chevy Chase, of course, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie. One of the all-time great characters in cinematic history. Uh, and just a fantastic movie. Uh, Imogene Coco, I should mention as well, because, you know, Imogene Coco was this, you know, this kind of Hollywood, classic Hollywood star. And uh, when they actually cast her, she was afraid to be in a car uh, because she'd been in a really bad accident years before with her husband and so they had to work through that. So when you watch these scenes again with Imogene Coco and you see how anxious she is, that's a real thing. She was very anxious being and in the car. And for those who may not recognize the name, Imogene Coco played Aunt the mother, Bethany. right? What's that? Aunt Bethany. Wasn't it Aunt Bethany? Yeah, Aunt Bethany. Aunt Bethany. But, and I think it's yeah. funny yeah. because, so I guess it's a good thing that for a large part of the movie, she got to ride on top of the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before they did the funeral <laughs> Where uh, Clark says Barugatan, he does his question. Which is the better yeah. movie, Vacation or Christmas Vacation? Oh, hands down, Christmas Vacation. Hands All right. down. I just li well, listen. I could quote both of them. But I, listen, Christmas I agree with you. I just feel bad something. saying it because there's that that loyalty to oh. OG. But it's one of the few movies where I think they got better in the second movie. 
I, I was telling uh, Chris before we got online here that I actually have up my Christmas trees at, at the moment and hidden inside of my one Christmas tree is a squirrel um, <laughs> specifically for the squirrel because literally I could bust out laughing. I know it's coming. And then when that little squirrel was on his back and he's running up and down the stairs, I can't, I can't, I laugh every time. For me, it's the, and character. that was um, the character uh, where he said, the blessing. Um, the blessing. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to yes, the flag. Well, <laughs> getting back to, to vacation, I think what makes yeah, that special yeah. is I was 13. You guys are, now, Chris, you and I are about the same age. Shell, you're a couple yeah, years Yeah, I was 13. Younger. I was 13. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we were little. And I remember, again, seeing it in the theater. I'm not sure what the rating was. I'm guaranteeing it should it was have R. been R if it wasn't. But no yeah. one blinked, and there we were sitting there laughing at all the off-color jokes, getting at least most of them. And, I mean, if I've watched that for the first time at 13, and I've watched it every year probably since at least, that's mm-hmm. a lot of watches. And, and you're like, oh, I know every line by heart. Well, I would think so. Because <laughs> we've watched yeah. it so many it times. That many times. <laughs> the screenplay for Vacation was written by John Hughes. And it was called, I think, Vacation 58 or something like that. So uh, he wrote the screenplay. He also wrote uh, Christmas Vacation as well. Uh, Shell and I were talking about that beforehand, how prolific he was. The reason, I, one of the reasons I love this movie so much is that my, my grandmother on my dad's side was a preacher's wife. And we were at Ocean City, Maryland for the summer. And we went as a family to go watch Vacation. And she walked out. <laughs> She walked out like 15 minutes in. She said, I'm out of here. I'm not watching this garbage. And meanwhile, I'm 13 thinking this is, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, this is the greatest movie of all time. And I wanted to be like Russ 50 yards. You know, <laughs> that whole like, drinking the beer. <laughs> Christy Brinkley made a little, her little, or was that Christmas day? See, I no, know. no, it was Christy yeah, Brinkley, Brinkley in vacation. Oh. Yep. No, yeah. she was in the she Corvette. Was what kind of car? Corvette? It was a Ferrari. Ferrari. Ferrari convertible. Yeah. 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 Clark, slow down. Um, so, what, and then honey? later the hotel then, scene where he's imagining her in the pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he and, was, no she was there. Was she the, the imagining one was Christmas vacation. All right. See, the yes. two are so, I get them confused. Yeah. yeah, I get the little scenes confused sometimes because of because well, Christmas vacation. He's imagining her in the pool, but in the other one, she actually was in the yeah. pool. right, right. Yeah, yeah. and it was the makeup right? counter She's girl. It was the makeup counter yes. girl in the pool that he was imagining. All right, yes, there we go. that's right. Now. Original vacation. She was in the pool. He jumps in. He's like, "Cold, it's cold." And then that I mean, all the hotel lights turn on or the motel lights turn on, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I just jumped in, and this person was here." Oh, and that's right. Me. This is crazy. 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 He's clapping. And, yep. yeah, he had every intention on cheating on Beverly D'Angelo. He jumps in naked to the pool with Christy Brinkley. But again, it's just funny. No no consequence yeah. or repercussion. Oh, my no. God. The and so um, something interesting about the movie was that the ending was very different. Initially, they shot the ending. They did a test screen and everybody hated it. And it was that they went to uh, the um, Wally World. Wally World? Uh, no, they didn't go to Wally World. They went to, to oh, God, what is his name? Roy Wally. They went to his house um, because the park wasn't open and they couldn't get in. So they went to his house and forced him to, like, come out and entertain them in the backyard. And people hated it, so they reshot it. And that's when they brought in John Candy yeah. as the, you know, um, the, the moose says you're closed and I say you're open. The moose should have told you outside. The park closed. Moose should have told you outside. The moose uh-huh. says you're closed. I say you're open. And, yeah. uh, and off they went into the park and on the roller coaster, which by the way, that roller coaster scene, when you see everybody's faces, it's real. They, they actually did a real roller coaster and they all threw up. All of them. Um, on yeah. a roller coaster? All yeah. Of them? Yeah. They must, uh, I can't imagine why. I mean, it's just yeah, I'm a, a little less impressed now. That's the uh, that's the the story that they all got sick. Now maybe but they to just to be didn't... fair, the coasters we rode as kids 
weren't yeah. like some kids will go on like the Mindbender and the Intimidator and these humongous like gigantic coasters that are smooth as ice and doing all these sure. coasters we grew up on. Those wooden coasters beat the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, us. It a- wasn't really about the drops so much. It really was about just giving us neck problems we'd carry into our forties and back <laughs> problems. And I got I to this day if I see a wooden roller coaster I'm like no way in hell. I'll take the yeah. biggest drop on earth before I get on one of those things. They just, like I said, they were designed to beat the hell out of us. Listen, I, I, I'm like at the coaster uh, capital of the world here. There's like a hundred year old, uh, I think it's a hundred years old. I can't remember exactly at Kennywood Park, which is in Pittsburgh. And um, they have the racers, the jackrabbit and the thunderbolt. And if you were, if you rode any one of those, yeah, you're going to have neck problems for pretty much ever. Yeah. Wait, do you remember that thing you'd spin around in and the floor would drop out? The roundup. The roundup. And the floor just dropped out of it. And you're like, the wall. So, yeah. I remember the roundup, but I keep seeing memes of this thing like the Graviton, which is kind of like a roundup, but it's enclosed. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember ever seeing that anywhere. And kids either. are like crawling See, around inside. No, we went to Kennywood Park, and I can actually tell you where a version of that thing was was at and what the building there is now. You went in, and it was fully enclosed. You leaned back a little bit, and the floor actually reduced down. I saw that picture online, too, at, to the point where you you clung to the walls, and that was it. It wasn't even the, you know, the roundup is slightly different. It was usually out of the ground, but this thing right. was. It was in a pit. Yeah. Crazy. And you waited for somebody to throw up on that roundup, and then it just hit everybody. So for those that can't <laughs> yeah, see, our me. friend Chris is actually wearing a Dell Griffiths shower curtain ring shirt with John Candy on it. And I got to say, I loved Can- I love John Candy in every movie he ever made. But yeah. seeing him younger um, in this movie, relatively unknown, fresh off of, what was it, SCTV, that he was on the, the Canadian sketch show. Um, yeah. It's just different seeing him like that. Oh, man. John Candy. Yeah. 1994 i think we lost him which is amazing to think that it was that long ago mm-hmm. and his i mean when he gets uh when clark shoots him with the bb gun <laughs> he's like stop it's just it was a bb gun <laughs> that whole i mean for me that you know just the presence of john candy in that movie made it even though the movie is incredible uh, when you go back now you know when you watch in the theater we a lot of us, unless we knew SCTV and at 13, I didn't. I didn't either. Uh, we didn't know who John Candy was, but now we do. And I appreciate that little scene so much more because of that. So, you know, I just, um, and the reason I'm wearing the Del Griffith shirt, for those of you that are watching, and then those of you are listening, he, I am wearing the Del Griffith shower curtain ring shirt, is because this is our Thanksgiving episode. And so, you know, of course, Thanksgiving movie. Um, wanted to make sure that I was repping uh, Thanksgiving for a Thanksgiving episode. So yeah. how many how many vacation movies were there? There was Vacation, Christmas Vacation, European Vacation. Vegas Vacation. Vegas Vacation. I've never seen Vegas. Yeah. Oh, really? Never saw that one. I, Michelle, I liked you it. It's unimpressed. Um, I was most unimpressed with European vacation. Yes. If I was going to rank them, I would say Christmas, then regular vacation, then um, Vegas, then European. I was Agreed. Like, that one. And that was mm-hmm. it. Those Agreed. four. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. There was. Uh, I think. I think the key, the Rusty got the fake ID and uh, Vegas vacation. His name was like uh, Mister Papa <laughs> Papa Giorgio. Oh, Papa Greek. Giorgio. Yes. Yeah, right? Yes. Yes. Papa yeah. Giorgio. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And for our yeah, so followers out always, there, of course, the name should have been Papa Yorgo. That's not as okay. funny. All right. So, yeah, that's right. And, and it would have probably taken a lot of takes to get that right. Uh, so, you know, John and I talked about we were 13 when that movie came out. And Anthony Michael Hall, I think, was 14. And one of the things that happened during the shooting of Vacation is he grew three inches. So if you go back and you watch the movie, you can kind of see it. Cool. Um, he was in puberty and he grew three inches during the film. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, I- and I wanted to point, I want to point out two more quick things for vacation. One is that Beverly D'Angelo actually, you know, when she was singing in the shower, she's a very good singer. In fact, she was one of the main cast members for hair. So that was nothing new to her to be able to sing. 
And the scene, the dog scene, uh, where the dog is tied up behind the car. Oh, With the police officer, he comes over. What does he say? He's like, you six. Yeah, yeah. I should tie yeah, you to the back of the bumper. <laughs> yeah. The poor guy hung on for the first few miles. <laughs> Not funny. Funny. Yeah, it's like a... The animal rights guy's laughing. Wrong. Oh man! Well, because it's not real, so I can laugh. <laughs> James Keach. James Keach uh, was the police officer, and Chevy Chase. That entire scene was improvised. Yeah. They just let them go with it. That's the and best. when they were filming, they were staying at a hotel, and there actually was a, a dog tied to a car, and the car almost took off. And Harold Ramis, who was the director, I believe he he like he and a couple of the crew members like stopped the guy. He couldn't believe that he had done it. The guy who was driving, but. You know, it doesn't say if that's where the scene came from, but it happened while they were filming the movie. Wow. I need to go back and watch the, like, making of for some of my older favorite movies because I've never seen some of that stuff, and I think it would be absolutely fascinating to go back and, you know, look at uh, 16 Candles maybe behind the scenes or, or Vacation and Christmas Vacation. I would love that. Okay, so we talked about uh, Vacation. Mm -hmm. and um, how great of a movie it is and how much comedic talent uh, was in that movie across the board and that we got introduced to Christy Brinkley and we got introduced to a lot of people, not everybody, to John Candy and Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, most people knew Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo at that, at that time. So um, a lot of great introductions in Vacation. So now we're going to move to the next one. And that one, and we're going to go chronological order here. So... The next movie that we're going to talk about is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And uh, again, an absolute classic, you know, just like, I, I mean, I would argue that it's even more timeless than Ferris Bueller in a lot, I mean, than Vacation in a lot of ways, um, that it's generational, that even today uh, there are kids who aspire to be Ferris Bueller sure, um, because he was so very cool. <laughs> and I know that I was, I mean, hopefully kids aspire to be Ferris Bueller, not Cameron. Um, that's, you know, that's the goal. Of course, you know, that the Cameron was in Egypt's land. Let my Cameron go, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> the, the first thing I think of is just bada, 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 so wing, bada. That was Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Cameron was doing it. And, we, and not, let's not forget about Sloan too, because Sloan, um, who was played by Mia Sarah, who was also in the movie legend, which is a great underrated movie. If you've never watched legend and you like fantasy movies, and you like Tom Cruise, watch Legend. Yeah, so Ferris Bueller, just, you know, iconic. And so many iconic scenes. I think almost a perfect movie in from, from beginning to end. You know, there's a lot of great movies that I really enjoy watching over and over again. But there'll be 10 or 15 minutes where I'm just kind of like, ah, did they need this? Is this where? I never feel like that in Ferris Bueller. The entire movie just feels like it works from the very second that he comes on screen. And it's so iconic that it continues to get cultural references. You had, you know, the Mia Sarah jacket or Sloan's jacket in this new movie, Totally Killer. Deadpool. If you ever saw Deadpool. Now, what's interesting about Ferris, and somebody could fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure that Ferris was the first movie to have a scene after the credits. Where if you waited until the very end, which is very popular to do now, especially with the Marvel and superhero Marvel. movies. And he comes out and he like looks and he's in the robe and he's like, you're still here? Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Go home. Go. Yes. Deadpool did the exact same thing. I think we all wanted to be Ferris Bueller, though, when we were kids. We wanted to have that A, popularity, B, I can get away with anything and uh, people will still love me. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, uh, we all wanted to be Ferris. There wasn't much cool about me in the early years of high school, but I will say by about my junior year, if there was anything even remotely Ferris about me, it's the fact that I could pretty much get away with murder at school. I broke every rule there was. And if there were like four or five of us that did something, I'd be sitting there in class and I would hear my four friends' names called down to the office and mine would be omitted. And it got to the point where my friends blew me in. They got so sick of it. They're like, you know, Katrides was there too. And the friends were like, no, 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 he wasn't. Nope, no, nope, didn't happen. And I don't know if no. it's because I was just a good kid or the teachers knew my parents would literally kill me and didn't think that death was like the would fit the the punishment. I think the third option might have been they felt sorry for you with those Coke bottle glasses. I had contacts by then. Thank you very much. 
And you know, of course, like the, you had the you had the solo in the in the choir for "Wind Beneath My Wings," and I, I did. Thank you for that. bringing it up. I was wondering if you all are playing a drinking game. Go ahead and take your shot. Chris just <laughs> mentioned "Wind Beneath My Wings." That's a two for take two shots. Board, <laughs> the board. Like at what minute? You know, we have people that take bets on this. It at what is minute? twenty-seven minutes and eight seconds into our podcast. <laughs> Bet Midler, take a shot. Okay, so we're throwing back to other episodes. I had to mention it. Rochelle, I don't know if you saw it, but in the comment section of one of our past podcasts, somebody mentioned okay. that they had the alien letter. No, they didn't. They did. I even, t- I'm like, Rochelle, really? feels so validated. They said there were even portions of it that gave you instructions. Rub the T in the letter, touch this part of the letter, and at the end it says you've just gotten intimate with an alien. <laughs> I'm not insane. <laughs> The fever dream was real. The world out there is going to know I'm not insane. Let's not get carried away. (laughs) So two of you, so two of you knew that that the alien was just true. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I tried to even look it up online, and of course, then I got a whole bunch of garbage because I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to find this, and I'm going to prove to them that our Paris, this was for real. I will say, I did a deep dive into the comment. I like Googled the uh, the poster because I wanted to make sure it wasn't you under a different name because I wouldn't put that past you. <laughs> Me just trying to prove you. Wrong. That would be amazing. I will that say, getting amazing. back to Ferris Bueller, one thing I get all the time, probably my favorite, even, I know Breakfast Club is like hallowed ground for us Xers, but if not better than, then for me, Ferris Bueller was equal to. It had a lot of the same components, mm-hmm. a great cast that worked really well together. I love the fact that the movie moved from scene to scene and had just like almost like MTV style montage shots that moved them into the museum. And then you had the restaurant scene. So it just like, to, to your point, Chris, it kept us interested all the way through. So I love this movie. So I post about it a lot. And I will speak to the fact that Ferris Bueller was a Gen Xer based on yeah. when the movie came out and the fact that it was nice, but Matthew Broderick wasn't. And sometimes that confuses people because Matthew Broderick, the actor is in fact a boomer. But mm-hmm. he was playing an Xer. So whenever I talk about Ferris being a generation Xer, I always get pushback from our older brothers and sisters saying, no, he was a boomer. But to any and everyone listening, Ferris was Gen X. Yes, he he embodied what we were about completely. Uh, and and, and my, one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie is um, the Donka Shane parade scene. Me too. You know, the, yeah, I just absolutely love that. And, and, you know, to take over a whole city like that, and nobody knows that he's playing hooky, you know? Cameron Fry, this one's for you. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that scene's awesome. And I'll tell you, you know, the other scenes that I love are when they're pranking Principal Rooney, Ed Rooney, and, you know, of course, Grace is... A, his the secretary or assistant who is just fantastic because she calls him out and everything but she also has some like great lines because Edie McClurg was awesome and she Gosh. she like took a character and just I mean even that little bit of time on screen she would steal it and you know when she says to him she says uh, when Ed says you know I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him she says well with your bad knee Ed you shouldn't throw anybody it's true you know? her, it's my just, favorite scene of her. her and again talk about a small scene and stealing it planes trains and automobiles when Steve Martin comes in oh, yeah. the car rental, she's sitting there and she's mm-hmm. taking it and she's taking it and she's taking it and finally she's done. And she's like, well, then you're fucked. <laughs> we were just talking about this before the episode started and I said, I haven't seen Planes, Trains and Automobiles in so many years, but that scene always pops up. The the rant that, that Steve Martin does at the end of it. And I was going to talk about her there. And it, way to go. Yeah, I mean, she she, she steals this, the the Ferris Bueller scenes with with you know Principal Rooney and where you know he's like I he says I'm, I wrote this down because some of these are so funny but I, and I just remember them but you know when he says that's why I got to catch him this time to show these kids the example he sets is a first class ticket to nowhere and Grace is like oh Ed you sounded like Dirty Harry just now. <laughs> like, Do you know I'm pretty sure the three of us are older than Principal Rooney right now. Oh, no. Oh, look at the smiles. 100%. Look at the smiles, Faith. 100%. Yeah. 
Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget that Jennifer Grey was also in Ferris Bueller's oh, yeah. Day Off. She was the sister. Yeah. And we had a cameo from someone else, too. Charlie Sheen. Oh. All right, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yep. Yeah, so there was a lot going on in the movie beyond just the, you know, the main characters in terms, again, when we think about the 80s and all of these, these, these people that we were introduced to that had these very small roles and we were fortunate enough to actually see them get their start and then watch them just, you know, become stars. And, uh, and little did they know at the time, this little role, boom, I'm a star. You know, it's pretty awesome when, when, you, when you can go back and watch that. No, they didn't know yet. They had no idea, but it was coming. I'm not sure if Charlie Sheen did anything before that. Uh, You know, I mean, that's a good question, actually. Lucas, I think Lucas came out before that. I think Lucas came out before Ferris Bueller, and he had a pretty significant role in Lucas. What about Um, the baseball movie? When was that? um, Lucas? No, the baseball movie. Oh, Oh, he'd been out. That was um, 89, I think. Oh, no, Major League. Out. No, Major, Major League. League. She's yeah. thinking Major League. But I think probably 87, yeah. 88 87. for Major League. 88 or 89, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, I'm sure there's a story behind, I should probably should have researched it about how Charlie Sheen ended up in that really tiny role because, you know, after all, like, but Emilio Estevez's brother had already been in The Outsiders in a couple of other uh, movies as well. Um, and, and would, the soundtrack, you know, uh, John Hughes was famous for his soundtracks. I was going to say, they would do that, though. Like, John, even like in uh, da, 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 Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Kevin Bacon took that really small role in the very beginning where he's <laughs> going for the car because they were so, they loved working with John Hughes and, and Chris Columbus and, and those, those, those directors were so great that big actors would take small roles just to work with them. Yeah. So with Ferris and Sloan, one thing that people don't talk about is how selfless they were. We think about Ferris in the context of like all the cool things that he did. But the reality is, from the moment that we see Cameron, he's as miserable and pessimistic as Sloan and Ferris are positive and optimistic. And even Ferris says, you know, if, I don't, if, if we don't do something for Cameron before he goes to college, his roommate's going to kill him. Like, so he's so stressed out and so wound up. And we find out at the end of the movie that it's because of the relationship with his father we don't actually, I would have loved to see like a little short years later about what happened. If I put my dad's car out through a, uh, the, the window slash whatever that was and, and landed in the forest, I'm not sure that relationship did end very well. It wasn't, it didn't sound like it was very good to begin with. And so I just, I've always been curious about that, but they were very selfless because remember, they took all this time to plan this day off. They hatched this incredible scheme, take this time to plan it. And what do they do? Cam- uh, Ferris will not take no for an answer from Cameron. He says, you're coming with us. They knew full well that Cameron could ruin this day for them. But it wasn't about them. Ultimately, in my opinion, the movie was about Cameron. And the movie was about doing a selfless act for your friends and others. Because that day off was a valuable day off for both of them. And they took a chance on ruining it by inviting Cameron because they knew that he needed it more than they did. And that's what I saw in the movie as an adult. When I took a step back and I watched it again and I wasn't wanting to be Ferris at 50, although I, I don't mind, I, I could be Ferris at 53, I suppose. Um, but I, I looked cool. back and maybe I am a little bit, I don't know, maybe I do have a little Ferris in me. Uh, but I look back now and hopefully a little Lloyd Dobler too. And I, I look back now and I say, you know, they really, that was a selfless act that they did for him. I never really well, thought about it that way. I, when I look at these movies, you know, there was always a lesson to be learned in, in pretty much any movie that we watched. It was some sort of a coming of age and, you know, all the John Hughes movies seemed to be, you know, there was some sort of a lesson behind it. And uh, I never looked back on that movie and saw it that way, but I, I can see it, you know, now that you say it. The other thing is for a lot of these movies, again, look at Breakfast Club. You could take each individual character and they had their own movie. If they, they, there was enough attention placed on every character that you could almost rework the movie and show it from everybody's perspective. And although it's Ferris Bueller's day off, they could have probably made four or five other movies showing the mm-hmm. perspective from the, his sister definitely had a day. You know, if, if we saw it from her point of view, she could still have filled an hour and a half full of movies. Because Jennifer's character goes through this entire progression in the movie where it's all she can do to catch her brother. And in the end, she saves him. So she had her perspective. Rooney 
It could have been Rooney's day off because you could have followed him. And I mean, that's what's awesome about it is I think subconsciously, unconsciously, while we're watching one movie, our brain is entertained by thinking about these other subplots that are going on. And so yeah. many of these movies did that back then. And it's not just what you're seeing. It's also what you're not seeing that's really important. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. no, that absolutely makes sense because that's one of my problems sometimes today with movies and TV is they are somewhat flat. They don't have that depth to them and that, that backstory, side story. You know, and there's times when you're spoon feeding it to me. And if you're not spoon feeding it to me, then what you're doing is making me have to like, what in the hell did I just watch it? I'm having to Google the ending of it because it's just, it's, it isn't simple enough then, you know? So yeah, I like the, the characters in the older movies. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jennifer Gray, I mean, obviously his sister is amazing because, you know, that one scene where she says, whoever's in my house. I have a gun and a scratching case of herpes. <laughs> and so as we move on, oh, go ahead. Before we John. move on, I just, there's one thing when Shell mentioned the parade scene. These movies had an impact on us as young kids because uh -huh. we saw things like that happening. We saw Tom Cruise at Maverick and Goose singing uh, in the bar. We saw people on screen stepping outside of themselves, not being embarrassed to be outlandish in the name of fun. And I think it impacted us because... I did it back then, and I continue to do things like that today. And I wonder if it's because I saw things. Granted, no one's let me take over a parade, but we'll be sitting in Target, and that song will come on, and, and I'll embarrass the hell out of my kids, not caring who's watching. And then if uh -uh. there are people watching that are of our age, they don't look at us you know, with this look of disdain on their face. They either join in or laugh. These movies really did teach us to have safe, harmless, outlandish fun. And I think when I was doing it, I was mimicking what I saw. And, I, and I'm glad. It really changed what I knew to be allowable in life in the name of fun. And, and, and all the movies, and, and to add to that point, too, uh, the iconicness, if that's a word there, of these movies, uh, we, we used, like, we would sing Donka Shane. Like, we were pretending like we were up on, you know, um, the yeah. band members. You know, we were going back and forth with the trumpets or whatever. You know, I was in the band, too, John. So, you know, just FYI, you know. Um, and but there were a lot of references Saxophone. that we made back in the day, whether it would be singing a song or, or mimicking something. Even the dance with Clark when he had the, the pea sandwich, you know, his little dance that he does. I, it, we did that. We yeah, caught we did. Those things when we were younger. And I don't know that there's any movies today where they're that iconic, that people are copying and saying the words of the TV shows or movies that we did back in the day. We always talk about how to bring things from the past into the present. And I mean, this is one that I think we do all the time. I've seen so many people comment that they sing out loud in the grocery store when our songs are playing. And I just want to remind people, as we enter our 40s and 50s, don't stop having fun. Don't turn into mm -hmm. Rooney. Stay Ferris. Um, mm -hmm, because yeah. I think that's a trait that we all can share. Um, and it, that's, that's my call out to everyone listening. Don't turn into Rooney. We may be older than him. We may be older than the principal in the breakfast club now, but we can still be Bender. Um, so don't let it go. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, as, as we close here on Ferris Bueller, I wanted to point out one more thing that we all, always talk about with Gen X and how we had all these different groups, but everybody got along and was really, really interesting. If you think about back to, you know, of course there were disagreements in high school. We all had them. Like we can't gloss over the fact that we didn't have issues in our high schools. However, what was really cool was we had all these different groups, but ultimately like when there were disagreements, it typically wasn't between two groups. It was usually between two individuals. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of the point that I'm making, which is right. why we are who we are today as Gen X. And so there's this great line by Grace when she's talking about Ferris Bueller to, to Rooney, and she says, oh, oh, he's very popular, Ed. The Sportos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, Dickheads, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. I love that. Yeah, so Ferris, classic, iconic, um, great characters, amazing dialogue, um, fun, just a fun, fun movie that I think one of those movies – decades from now people will still watch they're still going to share P kids today are going to share with their kids because they've been shared it's been shared with them and it's just a classic and that third movie is parenthood now parenthood 
isn't talked about in the same way that Vacation and Ferris Bueller are when we think about 80s movies, but it should be for a number of reasons. Now, for those of you that don't remember Parenthood, it came out in 1989. It was directed by Opie, uh, Ron Howard, who has had just an incredible career. I mean, you think about what he's done from, you know, from, from Opie to um, Opie, Opie and Andy Griffith to, um, oh my God, Richie Cunningham. Blank and Happy Days. Thank Richie you. Cunningham. Richie Cunningham and, and Happy Days to, to being this prolific award-winning director. And uh, Parenthood was one of his. It's about the four Buckman. Buckman was the last name of the, of the family. The four Buckman siblings attempting to raise their children, uh, each in their own different style. Yes, I wrote this down just so I could give a little plot synopsis here. <laughs> and deal with the joys and sorrows that the process brings. So it's really all about family, raising your kids, something, again, I haven't done. You two have. So you'll be able to relate to a lot of the situations a little better. But I enjoyed the movie because of the, the incredible cast and it's a phenomenal story and it's very funny and it's, it's happy and it's sad and it's emotional. It takes you on a roller coaster, just like the grandmother says at the end that life is about, you know, the roller coaster and you need to kind of ride it. It's going to have its ups and downs. And so I want to talk quickly about the cast before we jump in. I'm going to let you guys talk here because the cast is amazing. Okay. So we have still Steve Martin, who's the, you know, Gil Buckman. He's the, he's the father. You have Keanu Reeves, uh, John mentioned that when we were talking off camera earlier. Keanu Reeves, you had Joaquin Phoenix in it as well, who, whose name was actually Leaf. Um, he named himself Leaf because his siblings had River and Summer, and, so, and he wanted to be like them. So Leaf Phoenix, but then we referred back to Joaquin. He played uh, the really um, uh, kind of introverted kid that had a you know, bad childhood from his dad, and his name was, I think his name was Gary. Um, who actually was played by Leonardo DiCaprio in the TV show that didn't last very long back in the 80s and had a reboot in the 2000s. You had uh, Rick Moranis, another 80s tie, who was who? The key master from Ghostbusters. Uh, if that wasn't like... Of course, too. If that wasn't like... Honey, what's the word I'm kids. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Little Giants, right? He was in Little Giants. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the... the um, the key master and the gatekeeper, if that's not like, um, it's the word I'm looking for. Uh, innuendo, innuendo, the gatekeeper, <laughs> key master and the gatekeeper oh. and Ghostbusters. Ooh. There's a finger motion for that. Where is this word? A little bit of innuendo there in Ghostbusters. Uh, and, and John had never thought about it that John? way. Did There's a finger motion. I didn't know about that. That's like the alien thing. Now everyone's running to YouTube. Anyone on Spotify or iHeart? It's oh my God, she did it! <laughs> uh, yeah. Our right. YouTube numbers so, just went up. We're always going to end up here at some point. Okay, this is board number two. Besides when beneath my wings, this is board number two. When does Chris end up being the adult in the room? So uh, Diane Weist, uh, Diane Weist, who also was the mom in the Lost, Lost Boys, Boys, amongst others. I mean, she's a tremendous she's actress. Uh, Mary Steenburgen, who I loved in Elf and Step Brothers as the mom. Martha Plimpton, who was in The Goonies, the poster wow. behind yeah. John there. Um, Tom Holch. Now, Tom Holch may not be a familiar name. But he was nominated for the Academy Award as Amadeus in the 1985 oh, movie. That is one of my, um, like, I have, like, top five movies. That is one of my top five movies of all time from the 80s. That's another one of those movies that I could just quote the entire thing. And it started me with a little love of classical music. I did it. I forgot about that. Never seen Rock it. Rock Me Amadeus. Falco. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Jason Robards. Now he was older at the time. He played the grandfather, um, but he has one of my favorite lines when he, he gets asked about parenting and he's, he's talking to his son, who's kind of a screw up, which is a Tom Holtz character. And he's like, Gil, I know I was talking to Steve Martin actually. And he says, you know, that parenting is like your aunt Edna's ass. It goes on forever. And it's just as frightening. Eileen, <laughs> now this is a name you're not going to know, but you are going to know her sons. Uh, Eileen Ryan. Now you may not know her name, but she is the mother of Sean Penn, Michael Penn, and Chris Penn. Wow. Which is pretty cool. 
Yeah. And then the finally, and this is the reason I, I just, I think this cast is incredible so many different ways. Um, Howie Duro. Now, there may be some younger people out there who are listening who know this name because he was actually, he played the uh, uncredited as a stunned summer school student. And this was before his career took off as a Backstreet Boy. He's Howie Ooh. from the Backstreet Boys. Huh. Howie from the Backstreet Boys. He was an uncredited stunned summer school student before his career took off as a Backstreet Boy. Huh. Pretty cool. You Pretty are cool, so, right? But now, I just have to take a little pause here and say, like, you, you're so thorough and you just <laughs> amaze all of us with, you know, we all have a, we all have a collective knowledge here, but then you just amaze me sometimes with how much you just know about all of this. He stuff. doesn't and know he, it. He does the research. Know. He looked this up. You're giving him uh, way too. He doesn't so, have kids to chase. Of course he can stuff his face in a card catalog uh, for three hours right. a day. That's right. I can. Yeah. The microfiche. Yeah. yeah. When I do my three topics. Well, I appreciate yeah, I that. Think this person was in that. No, I, you're, Chris, by far, your three topics are always the best researched. Mine are the most on the fly, and Rochelle's leave us scratching our head the most often. It's like, what? <laughs> I would say that's pretty – Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I'm constantly doing this with, with Shells. <laughs> anyway, parenthood. Now, both of you are parents, and so you've been through the ups and downs, the craziness, the awesome roller coaster I'm sure that it is. And Parenthood captured it so very well. Even for those of us that don't have kids, it captured it so well. And I, I watched it recently because I, I really forgot how great that movie is and how, again, from beginning to end, there doesn't seem to be a point where you say, get throw this 10 minutes out. Not at all. It's just an incredible story. It's been a long time I since I've seen it. Like. But say, yeah, I'm struggling uh, a little yeah, bit to remember it. And then the problem is you get to a certain age and memories like bleed together. You mentioned the reboot uh -huh. in the 2000s. So Craig T. Nelson and that that parenthood is kind of bleeding in. Um, Steve Martin has done so many movies where like he's the dad. So the one where they have all the kids is bleeding into it. I'm just having a hard time separating which was the, this movie and which were the other movies they were in. Yeah, and so do you remember by chance the one with, uh, you know, where he he's going to hire the clown for the birthday party, and his son is a very anxious kid. He's got, a, you know, he's got, he's, I don't know how you would classify him today. We may have said he might have been a little autistic, but back then we they would have said he was just maybe anxious. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tries to hire the clown and. The, the clown, he can't get the original, the clown that the kid wants and he gets upset and he cries and runs from his birthday party. And then Steve Martin ends up dressing up as the clown and it's even better than the original clown. And it's like this really nice like scene where he's, because he's struggling with trying to understand his, his, his one son, where his other son is three years old and he puts a bucket on his head and hits his head against the wall and he eats stickers and, mm -hmm. you know, like typical little, you know, three-year-old kid. <laughs> I need you to recap this more because as soon as you start saying those things, I recall what you're saying. But if you were to ask me to pick a scene from that movie and tell you about it, I'd never be able to. But as soon as you start saying things like bucket on the head or the clown, then I start to recall yeah. flashes of it. I, but the reason that I really, I loved Parenthood and I watched it when I was, when it came out in the theaters because I was a huge Steve Martin fan from two wild and crazy guys back on Saturday Night Live. I mean, I just, you know, I, I think he was one of the first comedians that, because a lot of the stuff that he did, like, I, I mean, my favorite comedian when I got to an age where I could appreciate all comedy was Eddie Murphy. But when I couldn't appreciate that comedy, it was Steve Martin because a lot of the stuff that he did, like King Tut and Wild and Crazy Guys, it was, like, you could watch it as a 10-year-old and be fine with it. And so I really had an appreciation for him, which is why, you know, the movie jumped out to me as a 19 year old and Ron Howard, you know, I always like the origin stories and I did do my research here. This is not something I'm pulling out of the, my brain on this one. Uh, I always love the origin stories behind some of these and how they came to be. It was actually Ron Howard said that he was on a flight uh, and he had just come off of like night shift and splash and cocoon. He was, 
a lot of success. And his daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, who is a very good actress in her own right now, um, he had his four-year-old daughter, she was four years old, seven-month-old twins, and it was a 17-hour flight. And they were going to film the movie Gung Ho, if you remember that one. And uh, he said they needed diapers, formula, all the stuff we needed with us. We were only allowed two carry-on items. He had 24. So he had the crew carrying different stuff. And then he said uh, that Bryce, at four years old, she was brave enough to try some vegetarian sushi. And she projectile vomited all over him. And he had no change of shirt. And the babies are crying. I'm just reading what he said. The babies are crying. I'm helping Cheryl. We're just walking them and driving the crew crazy. Um, Miss Howard was pouring their pile of luggage in the baggage carousel upon arrival, sweating, feeling like an old man at 32, cursing the heavens. He realized he had a comedy on his hands. Mm. And if that, that really describes Parenthood, uh, the movie, and I'm sure Parenthood in real life, just the chaos and trying to keep it all under control, but then looking back and saying, what a story I have. Listen, we have. I, I could speak to this on, on having six children, uh, obviously. Um, there, that you could make two separate movies out of your life, you know, one of them being an absolute comedic uh, thing. And they've made plenty of movies like that. But on the other half, there could also be like a horror flick <laughs> made at the same time. So uh, it's like a it's like horror comedy. It shouldn't go together, but it does, and it makes you feel good at the end of it. So if I had to describe parenting, it's 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 like a horror comedy. It's, it makes you go, I can't believe that happened. That is horrible, but I have to at least laugh about it because there's there's nothing else I can do. The other thing that you mentioned, Steve Martin, um, and and to Shell's point, we saw him become like so when we to both of you chris you mentioned king tut you mentioned wild and crazy guy he when we were real little he was just this comedian who told jokes sometimes off call and then we saw him like shell said in my 30s i got married and became a parent he graduated in his roles and became father of the bride and did parenthood and did um a cheaper by the dozen so he became america's dad in all these movies kind of leading the way as we then, after the fact, progressed into that role. So he was always one step ahead of us. So in the 80s, when we were kids, he was a young adult having a great time. In the 90s, when we were young adults having a great time, he became America's dad in these movies. And then today, he's the grandfather in the room. He's doing uh, with Martin Short and... Murders in the building or something. Yeah, and it's awesome. Some it's really good. Building. But him and, and Martin Short are like the old men in the in the in the in the show. And although I choose not to follow, I hope I don't become that. If I do become that old man, if I'm fortunate enough, blessed enough, I hope I do it like he's doing it. You know, and it's just I I know that's not related, but that's how I see Steve Martin. He's always seemed to lead the way for our generation in how to do that next stage in life that's coming for us and do it while having a lot of fun. And like you said about bringing bringing things into today, embracing his age and and who he is at every singular stage in his life, because you have to embrace your age because we're all marching down the same street. And, you know, and anybody that wants to say anything about someone being old, well, you're it's a privilege to be old because that means you've made it this far. And, you know, to put a nice philosophical point to it because we talked about the philosophies of Ferris Bueller, but that's a great philosophy just here. Yeah. I often refer to Ferris Bueller as the, the eighties pop culture poet laureate because Mm -hmm. he had so many great lines, like life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you can miss it. I mean, he had just tons of them, but yeah, I mean that that's, you know, and, and, and that's, that's life as, as Frank Sinatra sang. And then David Lee Roth, the one I know better uh, did um, you know, it's, it's, it really is uh, a journey. And, you know, I, I, John, to your point too, about getting older and I, I'm a pretty competitive person. So when I turned 50, I'm like, okay, so I've come out of the locker room to use a football analogy and I'm kicking off the second half. I had to make the halftime adjustments. You know, I've made my halftime adjustments, kicking off the second half. Now it's a competition. I'm getting that ball further down the field than everybody else is. And that's, that's my goal is like, I want to get to the other end zone and uh, I'm going to stiff arm people along the way. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But uh, but no, it's it's a journey. And so the grandmother in Parenthood, I just wanted to read the little scene where, because I think this will really, um, this, this will really, I, I hope it'll hit home with both of you and anybody in the audience who is a parent, unlike me, um, 
but I, it still hits home for me because even without kids, I can feel this dialogue that she had with Gil, Steve Martin. So here's the, here's the scene. It's the grandma and the grandma says, you know, when I was 19, grandpa took me on a roller coaster. And Gil says, oh, and grandma says, yeah, up, down, up, down. Oh, what a ride. And he just looks at her. He's like, what a great story. And she says, I always wanted to go again. You know, it was just so interesting to me that a ride could make me so frightened, so scared, so sick, so excited, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around. Nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. And I, it's like such a perfect, I don't know, for me, like that's just, that's really what life is supposed to be about. And I talk about that a lot. How if you were born at point A and point B is a straight line, I don't, it feels boring to me. Like the, the great thing about life, it is the peaks and the valleys. And, you know. The time. I don't want to ride the tram. I, I really don't care about the tram. I'll, yeah. I'll take the ups and downs. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm just begging Sometimes, for that. Yeah. Just, you know, what's that old Chinese proverb that uh, it's a curse? I, I hope you live in interesting times. It's supposed to be like an ancient Chinese curse. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I could take a little boring, but the truth of the matter is you're both a, a thousand percent right. Um, it's just, I don't think any of us ever expected when we were younger, just how steep these, these hills and valleys can be. It's, it's, it's a lot sometimes. That's why I look forward to this hour. And I hope, and I really, really hope that people listening or watching just enjoy this break. Take take a minute, take some time to look back, to see how it felt, to see things under a different perspective, a three-view mirror of, of the things that we enjoyed. Take a minute, take an hour, take a break, laugh, make fun of it, whatever, and then move on with your day. I, I that, that This point of the week is is really turning into something awesome for me. And I, I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate it. And Chris, you keep saying you don't have kids, but if this keeps going, I pray that my kids will have a new one. We'll have an Uncle Chris they can count on at some point. Oh, well, because thanks. I think you'd be a hell of a lot of fun for kids to be around. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah, for sure. I'm a godfather. My my buddy Gabe, I'm a god. I'm the godfather to one of his daughters. And when she was getting um, christened, She's just a little baby. And uh, and he said, here, you can, you know, hold Presley. And I'm like, no, nah, it's okay. And he's like, dude, hold my daughter. And I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm never, I've never held a baby before. I'm afraid she's going to break. Like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't hold her. And he said, you know, he's like, come on, dude, you got to hold my baby. Hold my daughter. I'm like, no. So to this day, he has not let me live that down. She's 11 or 12 now. And every Thanksgiving when I'm over there, I get reminded that I didn't do the godfatherly thing. So, Be yeah. thankful. Like in my faith, Greek Orthodox, we not, we, we do the full dunking at baptisms. So we will take the baby, cover the baby, slather the baby in anointed oil from head to toe, and then dunk them three times full submersion in the baptismal font, and then hand them to the godfather or godmother. And I can't tell you how many times that kid almost gets dropped because it's, it's slimy. Oh, it's oily. It, it's like a contest. If the kid doesn't hit the floor and break, then you're a good godparent. Congratulations. Oh. Uh, Nobody in right. the audience listening can see my eyes just as soon as you say oiled and slippery and dunked. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my. Yeah. Oh. Nope. Yep, that's the way no it is. Way. He's going to do the reveal. I, I'm like, every time, like, I'm like, oh, he played that roller. First of all, very quickly, when you started with the roller coaster quote that I've never heard, when the grandmother said your grandfather took me for a ride up and down, up and down, I thought you were going somewhere else entirely with that. Especially when she did. said she enjoyed it and wanted to go again. Of course she did, yeah. The hand gesture comes again. Yeah, like, and then I'm like, and there was yeah. a roller coaster in, in vacation. So then I'm like trying to figure the roller coaster in Ferris Bueller, but there isn't one. Um, so let's recap real quick for everybody out there. We had three, three things that we talked about today that all intersect. They all connect in some way. Vacation, the movie Vacation, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Parenthood. How do they connect? One of the things that I was thinking of was iconic uh, cameos of people, um, especially maybe before they were uh, huge, huge stars. Um, so working alongside some of the big hitters in the industry, some of those, you know, like the uh, Backstreet Boy or um, Leo DiCaprio, I, I would think that that would have been early on in his career as well. Um, 
that was one of the directions that I was headed. I had another one and I think I lost it. That could work. John Candy, Charlie Sheen, Joaquin mm-hmm. slash Leaf Phoenix. Was he credited as Leaf? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, yeah. Did Ron Howard put his brother in Parenthood? Because he's like in almost every one of his movies. He's in all of his movies. He's in all of the dad, right? Yeah, yes, he's in there. And so okay, is his daughter, Bryce, when she so was four. Every single movie, Ron Howard has made a career for his brother. Uh, nepotism yeah, he is has. the finest. So I, I think that's really, really good, Shell. I, I, I had another one. I, I, I lost it. Um, Who directed? It's not the directors. That's not it. Uh, Steve Martin. And uh, you know, my, my other one I was thinking of was related to your shirt there. And this being sort of a Thanksgiving episode thing was the connection um, to each one of these had some small connection to planes, trains, and automobiles, whether it be um, Steve Martin in Steve Parenthood Martin, or John, John Candy in, in Vacation or just, um, what, wait, what's our second movie? The Ferris Bueller. Oh, 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 wait. Yeah, she was the, the, the secretary was in. That's it. That is it. You nailed it. That's it. The secretary was the, was, the, oh my God, we got one. Well, you, you got, got one. one. You I got it. I got her. Oh, that's perfect. You got it. This, tell me if this isn't right, though, too. When, when we first, when you first did, um, cause I would think that parenthood would have had a lot of scenes in it that would have been unscripted because of, you know, when you talked about the dog scene being unscripted and it was, um, improvised, but also in, uh, the Donka Shane scene and Ferris Bueller was also an improvised scene. They had pulled all those people and a lot of the construction workers and things, they were genuinely just filming them. And then I thought, well, maybe parenthood also had some unscripted stuff because it was a, a, a movie with kids. No, you nailed it. Look, this is a Thanksgiving episode. It's a Thanksgiving special. And the greatest Thanksgiving movie of all time is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And yes, John Candy, Edie McClurg, who played Grace in Ferris Bueller and played at the car, the famous car rental scene, which one of you brought up earlier. I and I was thinking, I you're going to start piecing this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Steve Martin. So Del Griffith and um, Neil Page. Neil Page by Steve Martin. Del Griffith with John Candy. And Amy McClurg playing the car rental, which is just such a small role. Again, we talked about how she could take over a scene. And um, no matter how small her role was. So those are three. And I wore the shirt just to kind of like. Bring it together. Tease it a little bit. Dude, yeah. that was. Uh, I, I am so emotional about planes, trains, and automobiles. I forced my kids to watch it. I. It, it is Thanksgiving. It's funny. It's yeah. got lines that I'll remember forever. It has just huge, tiny scenes. It's Del Griffith on, you know, when Steve Martin, when Neil Page pieces together himself at the end, what's really going on with Del and brings him, brings this guy that he's wanted to do nothing but separate with since the beginning of the movie. And then he brings him home for Thanksgiving. I mean, there's just, the movie is iconically thanksgiving for me it is macy's day parade thanksgiving for me and the yeah. fact that you made that the connection for the thanksgiving episode i i i could not be more grateful i love this absolutely amazing awesome i mean i i love the movie and i'm so glad you guys got it figured out i mean show you started like i was like i wonder if this second one is going to be the one because you had you had you know touched on a couple of those things as well I, I think it's, you know, I, I, I love John Hughes and he was so prolific in the eighties. And we, we were talking Shell and I beforehand about the movies that he touched in the eighties. I mean, from, from vacation to 16 candles, weird science, Ferris Bueller, the breakfast club, some kind of wonderful, pretty in pink, plane trains, automobiles, home alone. I mean, the list goes on. And this was the movie for me out of all of them that stands out because it's an important movie. It's, it's about humanity. And it's how sometimes what we need to do is see somebody else in a situation where they're struggling and they need help in order for us to realize Neil Page's, you know, experience that our life is pretty good and we have our ups and downs and we have things that are going on, but there's always somebody that could use some help. And like you said, he connects the dots at the end. And I think that first of all, there's a song and I'm a big music guys you know um by a group a band a group called book of love 
and it's the song that's playing at the very end when he's on the uh, on the train tracks and he's standing there alone. And it's called I, I, I can never pronounce it. It's Modiglinia, Modiglinia, uh, Lost in Your Eyes. If you want to look that up, and you'll know it right away. John Hughes was great with his m- music, but it's the end. It's the last line, the last two lines that are delivered. Hello, Mrs. Page. Hello, Mr. Griffith. And it's just perfect. It gives me chills because I can see her at the top of the stairs and I can see him, John Candy, with that nervous smile, just that very affable face and the nervous smile that he has that somebody's actually going to care for him on the holiday. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I care for you guys, by the way. <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, by the way. Oh. This, is a, this is a wonderful gift to have for Thanksgiving, actually. Thankful for family, you know, whether it's a created family or, or, or your actual blood family. Um, thankful that we're sitting here today doing this together as friends. And, you know, you said earlier about Ferris dedicating his day to Cameron. The flip side of that is, I, mean, I love that you put those two movies together because the flip side, the flip side of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is planes, trains, and automobiles. One is the protagonist dedicating his entire day willingly to make someone's day better. And the other is doing everything he possibly can to yeah. get away from the other guy. And in the end, they both end up in the same place in that the person finds what they need. Cameron needs to be left alone. Cameron needs to deal with his dad on his own and to finally say, hey, dad, you got to deal with me because you can't just ignore me anymore. And John Candy's character gets the exact opposite. He's taken from being alone and brought into a family. And I just these unintended connections, sometimes these Mm -hmm. unintended stories that come out of our topics, I think are my favorite part of this. Even just the little things like the roller coaster. Um, You can always make at least two connections. Every time I've talked to you guys, there's always at least two connections. I can sometimes not get the third one, but there's still even underlying, just like John, when you said about the backstories of all the characters in Ferris Bueller, that's kind of like what happens here when we have these conversations too. There's depth to them because we are talking about things and there's there's backstory to it. There there's two connections over here and one more connection over there. And that's what makes us wonderful. Yeah, and then John almost fell over. Uh and if you're watching, if you're not watching, John almost fell out of his chair. Uh so, four on the floor. Four yeah. on the floor, Mr. Cadridis. Oh yeah. So um yeah, and I and I listen, I I really can't get enough of the movie. And I do think that it's an important one for people to watch with their families around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it came out November 25th, 1987. So it will be 36 years Crazy. this year that that movie came out. Crazy. And it's still relevant. I'm going to buy that. And we're still in our late thirties. So I don't know how the math works. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're still. Yeah, getting- that's right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm 37. So th- this, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm 37. Yeah. So this, um, this, but you know, I got to say, like, before we kind of wrap up here, because when I talked about how that movie had a heart, and I've, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan with his movies having a heart. And John Hughes was very good at, like, just fun comedy and also a little cynicism with teenagers. And then he comes along with this, this wraps this movie up in this incredible heart with, with this bow. And there's that really incredible scene where, I think it's, if there was a, I felt like there was some real John Candy coming out in Del Griffith. And it was when Steve Martin, Neil Page loses his ever loving mind when they're in the hotel room. And he's like, you're like, like you're like a chatty Kathy doll, <laughs> except you pull the string. And it's a really poignant moment because it's when, you know, Del says, you can make fun of me. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's okay. And you know, if that's what makes you happy, but I like me, my yeah. wife likes me. Meanwhile, you know, we find out later that his wife has passed away, but he's like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me because I'm the real deal. What you see is what you get. And I don't know that scene for me, just, I feel like that two minutes was Steve Martin and John Candy's best two minutes in their acting histories. And maybe they would disagree. Steve Martin might say, how dare you? But I, I do believe like, I just feel that that scene. One of my favorite scenes. The whole movie. I, I'd have a hard time parsing out any one scene. That, mm-hmm. the rental car scene, but the Chatty Cathy scene. I've used that line on people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no. Any last words, Shell, on uh, the segment today? Congratulations on being the first 
to actually nail one of these uh one of these um three view mirror podcast episodes about time one for the co-hosts wait that, that is i i'm i'm honored i'm proud um i swear to you next time when it's my turn i'm not gonna make it so hard on you um I, i'm gonna keep my little cliff notes like like chris does and and john can take his notes and but no this was an amazing podcast episode it was great for the holidays we wrapped it up very and i love the little bit of sentiment we brought into this one too the 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 sentiment like john said we're looking backwards but we're looking forwards and we're here today and today is a wonderful day and i'm so glad i got to spend it with you too won't you be my neighbor yeah it's all been said Uh, i just want to take this opportunity because this episode will be coming out wednesday before thanksgiving that's next wednesday that's wednesday Mm -hmm. So from all of us here, um, I wish to all of our listeners, both of you, um, (laughs) hopefully there's more than a couple at this point, um, but we are thankful for each and every one of you, each of you, both of you, and just thank you. I mean, both all of us have been blessed to find this second half um, that I don't think any of us saw coming. And whatever it turns into, I'm just very, very thankful. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is me saying, stay rad. I'm going to ruin Chris's accent. <laughs> Be cool. I, I, Take care. I love I you got all. A better one. I got a better one anyway. I know where Just, you're going you know, with. I'm going to go with turkey for me, turkey for you. Let's eat turkey in a big brown shoe. Make there sure you eat some turkey out of a big brown shoe tomorrow in, in honor of Adam Sandler. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home.